This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, an incident that happened during the at, right after the Phoenix Lights incident uh, of 1997, uh, where basically some some guy filmed this had really go- apparently had really good video imagery of the object that everyone was seeing. The thousands of people in Arizona, basically uh, basically they say 10 percent of the people living in Arizona saw this gigantic object. Uh, of course, the military uh, denied it later on, saying it was yeah, it's uh, uh, military flares. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we were. It was just our own jets flying in formation. Uh, that's all it was. Uh, but anyway, there was a a lot of people in in on the night of March thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, saw this giant object flying over Phoenix. Uh, thousands of people. Um, and of course, back then we didn't have, uh, cell phones like we do today. Uh, it, too bad we didn't, uh, because, uh, this, we, we might not be, they're not, might, there probably would be no debate anymore. But anyway, uh, somebody, uh, there was one gentleman back then who apparently captured this object, uh, with his video camera and, uh, the, the men in black showed up at his house and basically stole it from, stole the video evidence from him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And here's an article. It's uh, from Hows and Wise website, uh, written by Vicky Verma. Actually, this person, Vicky Verma, has a lot of different UFO articles on this website, Hows and How and Wise. dot com. I will leave the link, and uh, you can check it out for yourself. Anyway, the headline here is: Arizona man filmed huge solid UFO in Phoenix Lights. The MIB took video, and the man vanished. And this article was just written this month, uh, published this month. Anyway, on the night of March 13, 1997, the people of the United States witnessed one of the largest and best-known UFO sightings in history. The UAP phenomenon was observed in the skies over the southwestern states of Arizona and Nevada and the Mexican state of Sonora. According to a Rocky Mountain poll conducted at the time, as well as the commotion that ensued, around 10% of Arizonans claim to have witnessed the incident that is now known as the Phoenix Lights. One of the eyewitnesses named Richard Curtis from Arizona, claiming to have solid evidence of the incident, contacted local councilwoman Frances Barwood. He vanished following an encounter with MIB and a media revelation. Francis Barwood, a member of the city council, opened an investigation into the incident. Since the military and local authorities had already managed to claim that the lights seen by the eyewitnesses were only flares, her co-workers thought her behavior was ludicrous. Barwood received a call from Richard Curtis a few months later. He said right away that he had extremely detailed footage of the Phoenix lights despite being an injured former soldier. He claimed that he had personally captured them using high-quality equipment. Here's a quote from Barwood. He said you could see the shape. He said you could see how big it was in comparison to the surrounding buildings and everything. He described that the lights were gaseous. He was so excited that he had gotten all this on video. Uh, 
That's what Barwood recalled him saying to her. Additionally, Curtis admitted to Barwood that he had no idea who else to call and that he trusted her. Since the majority of the Phoenix Lights video footage up until this point had been merely specks of light on a dark background, Barwood was intrigued by this message. Curtis agreed to provide copies of the footage to Barwood's office after she urged him to do so. However, days passed and she did not receive films either by mail or by courier. I thought he made this up. He didn't have video, you know, all this stuff, she said. A week later, Curtis telephoned Barwood at her house and inquired about her thoughts on the films. Barwood informed him that she had not received them and expressed, um, her, and expressed her amazement. Curtis continued by telling her that following their phone call, two men from her workplace stopped up at his home. The two similar-looking individuals were fully covered in black, three-piece black suits, black shoes, black hats, black suitcases, etc. The men were not dressed in jackets or other gear, even though it was fairly chilly outside. It struck Curtis as weird. He asked the men if they were from Barwood's office, and they confirmed it. Then, then they inquired about the Phoenix Lights videos, specifically to find out if Curtis had copied them. They responded that they would make copies for him themselves when he said he had not been able, been able to. Curtis then handed him his videos, and the two men left his house in a black sedan. Barwood informed Curtis that she had no men in her office, and that all of her staff were female. I have no idea who these guys were. It sounds so bizarre. Nothing made sense to me, Barwood recalled thinking. All of this infuriated Richard Curtis, who concluded that the authorities had misled him. In an interview with Phoenix TV, he discussed everything that had happened, including the men in black visit, and that they took his videos. And shortly after that, when Barwood tried to call Curtis, she discovered that he was not answering. When she got to his apartment, he was not there. But the neighbors informed her that Curtis had supposedly taken a faulty medication and had been transported by ambulance to the hospital. There were no records of Curtis ever being admitted to any Phoenix area hospitals when Barwood started looking for him there. Barwood made the decision to have her phone lines checked by a professional when she questioned how the odd men even knew about the tapes. He visited her house and conducted his tests there. After that, he went outdoors. He wouldn't come back in the house. He came to the back door and said, no, I'm not coming in. Yes, your phone is tapped. It's a government tap, she said. <sighs> Since the middle, well, I just want to stop there for a second. Okay, so basically, what's happened here? Basically, so this guy contacts Barwood and says, Curtis contacts Barwood, says, hey, okay, I got these tapes, videotapes, great images, uh, film video images of this object that was hovering over Phoenix. And I want to give them to you. I trust you. Okay, so she's waiting around for them. They never show up. And then he calls her up a week later saying, well, so what do you think? What do you think of the tapes? And she goes, I never get them. So basically, two guys in black suits show up. And they're actually wearing the old style hats, too. If there was a video I was watching about this. And actually, uh, if you go to this link, there's, you could, there, there's a video embedded in there that you could check out that was of this Curtis talking to the local TV station about this. So basically, what happened here, these men in black show up in a black sedan wearing that, you know, the, the attire that we're all uh, aware of that these uh, men in black usually wear, even up to the fedoras, which actually went out of style back in the 60s. You know, as cars got uh, smaller, those hats became too big, those old fedoras that people would be wearing in the old black and white movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s. Cars got smaller, those hats went out of style, and here in, in the late 90s, two guys show up, 
at this guy's house wearing black suits with these old-fashioned black hats and sunglasses say hey yeah we're from barwood's office we want those tapes so we'll go we'll give them to her and then they disappear with his, with with the only evidence that he had the that was the only copies of the tapes that he had and they weren't from her office as it turned out <clears throat> and then after you know after all of this hullabaloo what happens next they uh this guy disappears curtis disappears uh he's he's very upset about everything that happened and then he disappears and uh and then barwood discovers that her phone's being tapped by the government okay there's a lot of uh, to unpack there but i'll read the rest of the article and then we'll get into it It, and it continues here it says since the military and, and authorities insisted that the phoenix lights were nothing more than flares barwood was astounded to learn that someone in the united states government had tapped her phones Richard Curtis vanished without a trace. It became a worldwide sensation throughout the course of the subsequent months. It was the second biggest case in ufology after Roswell, according to the late Art Bell, host of the syndicated paranormal radio program Coast to Coast AM. The bizarre light show, according to skeptics, was caused by man-made aircraft from Glendale's Luke Air Air Force Base or other neighboring military installations conducting training drills. The Phoenix lights, according to ufologists, were not of this world. Uh... Anyway, there's more to this article, and, and uh, they have a transcript of, this, of these interviews that were uh, conducted on the local TV station at the time. But if you want to check it out, I, you know, I, the link will be there for you. So anyway, uh, basically, well, for one thing, the, you know, let's just get one thing out of the way right now. There's no way that the Phoenix Lights were military jets or flares, okay? That's not what they were. That's not what people could. There was thousands of witnesses. People talked about a solid, gigantic, one solid, gigantic object that had strange lights embedded in it, okay? They all saw it. Some, you know, triangular shaped, uh, almost like a a V-shaped object, uh, gigantic. Um, So... And a lot of people saw this. Unfortunately, back then, uh, not everyone had uh, video cameras. You know, it was a lot harder to film something like this. And, he, and, it, and, and the other thing is, it would have been at night. It's at night when this thing showed up, so it would have even been more, the, the footage probably, you know, it, it would be more, it wouldn't be that good probably. But this guy said he had some good footage. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it was taken away from him. And I guess the question is, who took it away? You know, I, I've talked about this before in uh, in, in a different podcast uh, within the past couple of months. I, I know I brought this up, but uh, I, I think that Men in Black there's there's two sides to this whole thing. I think sometimes there are officials, uh, probably uh, working for MJ12, for instance, that that uh, try to cover things up when when the need arises. And I also believe that there could possibly be aliens in disguise showing up doing these kind of things uh what happened here i think this is uh, well for one thing a barwood's phone was getting tapped so i think uh, the government was tapping her phone right i'm just wondering about the the videotapes because i i just i i don't think the government took the videotapes i think it was extraterrestrials themselves as men in black that took the videotapes i i just don't it to me i just can't rectify i i just can't accept the idea that these government agents these men in black would dress up like this with the with the old style hats and you know it just doesn't make sense an alien that's just not as uh adept at how humans 
present themselves you know that makes more sense to me and there's arc stories of these security type hybrids among us so somehow maybe these beings somehow figured out that this guy had these tapes and they wanted to get them back because these aliens want to keep it a secret too not just the military not the military pentagon wants to keep it secret too but at the same time, I think the government was paying... When these kind of things happen, right, the government has her phone tapped. This is just my opinion. It doesn't make me right. It's just a possibility, right? It's just speculation. The government has her phone tapped because, you know, they're trying to get information too to help them, to help the government, right? Because they, they, they don't know what's going on with these alien beings either. They don't have any answers. When this giant object shows up over Phoenix, you know, they're all scratching their heads too. That's why they say, oh, yeah, it was just uh, flares, you know, because they, they don't want to say it's, yeah, well, it's obviously it's an object from outer space, right? Because that's obviously what it was, right? The government doesn't want to say that because then that's, you're going to have a panic on your hands. So that's why, the you know, but at the same time, the government's trying to investigate this. They're trying to figure out what this alien game is all about. And I think that after this guy's tape got stolen, these tapes got stolen, that's when Barwood's phone got tapped by the government, trying to maybe think that maybe these aliens or are, are someone might try to contact her, you know, or so, so they tap her phone because they're trying to figure out this mystery too behind the scenes quietly. So I think that's what might have been going on. I don't think that her, I don't think the government, I don't think those guys that showed up in the sedan at the, at, at uh, this guy's house uh, were government agents. I actually believe that it was more possible that these, these were alien beings trying to keep that information from the public. Not that the government wouldn't have done that, right? I think the government would do that, right? If they would have known about it. They, they don't want this kind of stuff to get out either, right? Again, they're 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 basically. I've said this before. I believe what the what the government of the world, the governments of the world, are doing. They're actually helping the aliens by by keeping the secret because that's the aliens want to keep a secret too. But I think sometimes it's actually aliens themselves showing up as these men in black, and then sometimes there's agents from secret organizations, secret groups like MJ12 that show up and handle the handle things. So that's my opinion on that. Doesn't make me right, uh, but that's how I, I I view this. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we when we come back, we're going to talk about Foo Fighters. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Okay, we are back. 
Um, in the 1940s, during World War II, in all over Europe and the Pacific, all over the world, even in Africa, there was reports of Foo Fighters. At the time, nobody knew what these objects were. They were just basically, you know, glowing orbs. Uh, sometimes they appeared solid to some people who saw them, and uh, you know, people are in, you know flying missions over Germany or you know in the Pacific, wherever during World War II. A lot of, there was there was occasions where sometimes all of a sudden these weird lights would show up. Sometimes a couple, two or three of them following along with the, some of the aircraft that were flying around. Everybody's heard of these stories, the Foo Fighters. Um, what were these objects? Uh, obviously, I could tell you right now. I mean, Occam's Razor tells you 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 already know what they are. They're, they're, there's no way that they were man-made. Right? There's absolutely no chance of it. Some people say it was, well, it was secret Nazi technology. No, it wasn't. These, these things didn't have any means of propulsion. There was no visible means of propulsion on them. Uh, they were able to pretty much fly along with our craft and then just disappear. I mean, what, nobody, we don't have technology. We still don't have technology that can do stuff like that. And no, no visible means of propulsion. These were obviously some sort of probe. Of their alien probes of some type, their purpose you could speculate all day on. We we just don't know whether uh, you know, they're interested in, in you know how we flew. Uh, you know were they you know trying to figure out what we're up to? I mean, what who who knows? But there's some sort of probe. Anyway, there was a pretty decent article in in the debrief. It was uh, last year. It was published. Uh, it was written by Graham Rendell. I highly recommend you check out this article. It's a pretty long article, and it was published on uh, April fifteenth, twenty twenty-one. And he, this person, gets into you know the whole history of Foo Fighters, and then provides his opinion on it. And uh, uh, actually, he he wanted he clears up in this. Like a lot of people say that people the first reports of Foo Fighters was nineteen forty-four. Actually, he clears this up here and says no, no, they were people were seeing them in 1942 and then he has a bunch of different cases listed here it's a pretty lengthy article um but anyway uh we're gonna go through some of them um he, we're gonna, i'm not gonna read the whole article but i'll read some some uh, excerpts from it uh, including this part right here over the last 12 months i have been revisiting and re-evaluating the known foo fighter cases and in the course of my research have also found some new encounters in preparation for a book i am writing on the subject much of the information is buried in air intelligence files and squadron war diaries most of which is barely legible due to the ravages of time and the flimsy wartime grade of paper used. However, many cases never saw official recognition, and researchers have to have to rely upon aircrew logbooks and personal interviews, in many cases conducted decades after the events being recalled. The vast majority of wartime witnesses are now deceased, and a large proportion took the details of their sightings to their graves, electing to keep quiet about their encounters. There were are there are well over 100 known Foo Fighter sightings from the three main battlefronts during World War II, Western Europe, Mediterranean, and Pacific. But strange lights and unidentifiable craft were also witnessed over both both North Africa and the Eastern Front. To give an idea of the encounters that transpired during the war, here are three of those cases, all of which occurred long before the traditionally accepted start of the Foo Fighter phenomenon in November 1944. A Polish crewed Vickers Wellington bomber was returning from a raid on Essen just before midnight on 25th March 1942 when the aircraft's rear gunner spotted a bright light approaching their aircraft. However, instead of a Luftwaffe 
Night Fighter, it resembled a large, fuzzy, copper-colored ball about the size of the moon. Approaching within 200 feet of the bomber, the gunner opened fire, watching helplessly as his tracer rounds entered the ball of light to no visible effect. They did not come out the other side, nor did they inflict any appreciable damage. The strange light then shot forward and took up position off the Wellington's port wingtip. Now the aircraft's nose turret guns could be brought to bear on the strange light, and both gunners blazed away at what was still thought to be a Luftwaffe night fighter. The pilot executed a series of evasive maneuvers but could not shake the ball of light. It remained at the same fixed distance, seemingly undamaged, for several minutes until it finally flew around to a point ahead of the Wellington, remaining in place for a few seconds before shooting off into the distance and disappearing. Another crew flying behind the bomber also had their own encounter with the object but refused to report the incident for fear of ridicule. In the spring of 1943 over North Africa, a New Zealand fighter pilot was followed by an orange-red glow, a light that when moved to sit off his wingtip tip, matching his every turn including a series of violent evasive maneuvers designed to throw off potential attackers. Taking advantage of an apparent time lag before the object matched his actions, he managed to fire his Hawker Hurricanes guns at the light on a few occasions, but to no effect. The pilot could not distinguish what kind of aircraft or object was generating the light as it was so bright. It grew dimmer as they crossed the front line, but once beyond the firing, it glowed with its, its original intensity. The RAF pilot's mysterious companion vanished as he returned to base. He knew of numerous colleagues who also had run-ins with the light. This encounter, similar in many respects to Con Commander David Fravor's now infamous dogfight with the Tic Tac, predated that event by more than 60 years and that's interesting isn't it you know we're still this basically the same stuff that was happening then is some of the same kind of things are happening now anyway continuing the united states army air forces wait i want to say one more thing too and you think about uh, the report the ufo reports coming out of ukraine i know a lot of the bunkers are trying to tell us it's either insects or artillery shell shells uh, wow that's a big discrepancy there is it insects or is it artillery shells uh, anyhow, uh, who knows what those objects are flying over Ukraine. It seems like these visitors that are here, they're interested in what we're doing when we're fighting each other. And that's apparently what was going on here, apparently. Anyway, continuing. The United States Army Air Force's 422nd Night Fighter Squadron had its fair share of sightings in late 1944 and early 1945, including a notable event over western Germany during the first week of October 1944 when an extremely rapid object latched onto the tail of one of the unit's Northrop P-61 Black Widows. The mysterious ball of light followed the cruise machine as the pilot threw it into a violent set of evasive maneuvers. Despite his best efforts, he could not shake off his pursuer and in desperation finally dove into a bank of cloud. The ball of light did not follow. Colleagues in the squadron stated that the pilot's radar observer was badly shaken by the experience and was still sucking wind 24 hours later. The mysterious ball of light was officially logged as a Messerschmitt ME-163 Comet rocket propelled interceptor. There would be many more bizarre encounters with strange lights before the year was out. And then he has an analysis here about what he thinks they are and... Uh, 
I'm not going to read all of this. Uh, however, uh, he does have he does have a conclusion on everything, and we will get into that. Looking back to incidents that occurred nearly 80 years ago may seem like a waste of time to people caught up in the current heady rush of United States Navy encounters, UAP photos, and future government briefings. What appears to be forgotten is that the accounts of November 1944 and November 2004 are not too dissimilar when you boil them down to their basics. Drop a P-61 Black Widow pilot into the front seat of an F-A-18F Super Hornet, and he might gaze in awe at the new technology on display in front of him. Put him in David Fravor's position, and the P-61 pilot would realize that the Tic Tac demonstrates a much higher level of sophistication than the machine he was now flying. Military aircraft may have vastly improved over the intervening 60 years, but whatever our pilots are continuing to come up against during training flights, the mysterious lights and objects are still running rings around them. To this observer, at least, it also appears as if those who are supposed to be in the know still don't have a clue what is going on, something else which hasn't changed since 1944. Trying to ascertain the origin and motives of the Foo Fighters is akin to figuring out what is going on with the current UAP phenomenon. Stories suggest that German pilots also encountered the Foo Fighters during World War II, but I have not been able to find any reports that stand to, uh, to ev- stand up to even the briefest scrutiny. Without trying to sound like a debunker, the photographic evidence that exists is probably faked is a film defect or another mundane experience occurrence. I, 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 I gotta stop right there. Now, I don't know, how, how, well, how can you say that? How do you know that? How do you know that the some of the pictures of these things that, that that we have, some of the pictures that were taken by some of these pilots of Foo Fighters, were faked or film defect? Or I mean, they actually said they saw the object when they took the picture. Here's the picture, and then you'd say, "Oh, that's, uh, it could be a fake, or it's a film defect, or another mundane occurrence, maybe a, a natural phenomenon or something." But no, no, they said the ball of light was falling. They took a picture of it. Here's the picture, and yet you still don't believe it. And again, that, that's. I don't know. I don't know why you would say that. But anyway, pictures that pass these tests subsequently fail in terms of a lack of supporting information. None of the photos I have found in the course of my research have accompanying notes about locations, dates, or names of the air crew involved and are therefore treated with a healthy dose of skepticism. Without context, they are practically meaningless. I like to think that if annotated photos exist in a military archive somewhere, they presumably sit on a shelf next to pictures of the crashed Roswell craft and the Kecksburg acorn. Now, I just want to say that uh, actually, you know, some of these pictures have been around for a long time. There's been a lot of pictures that have been, you know, made public years ago in the 50s and 60s. It's not like they weren't around. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe you don't. they're not annotated and, you know, and they weren't kept the way you would want them. But there's pictures, right? Uh, we know that there are. And, and they are presented by somebody who was still alive, who witnessed these things back at a certain time. Okay, you don't have all that information. But still, you have pictures that to say that they're fake or a film defect or another mundane occurrence, that, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, why, why can't they be real, too? Can't they be real? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying that they, some of them probably could be a fake, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but couldn't they be real, too? Anyway, continuing. And then he goes on. Despite a lack of photographic evidence, the Foo Fighter phenomenon is redeemed in terms of the sheer number of witness statements, log books, and intelligence reports that confirm the existence of strange lights and other odd flying objects during World War II, if not their nature. Reports of Foo Fighter encounters are compelling, but leave plenty of scope for argument and debate over their veracity, origin, and purpose. I don't think so. 
I don't believe that. No, no, they don't leave any debate. It's to me, it's clear cut. I mean, there were there was a lot of uh, these incidents, right? He talks about them here in his article. Tons of them, tons of incidents, right? Of these Foo Fighters, it's obvious, right? Uh, let's do Zakum's Razor. They're actually, they're, they're objects from controlled by some intelligence, an intelligence greater than what humans have, right? So obviously, they're uh, extraterrestrial. End of story. That's it. That's what they are. They were extraterrestrial probes of some sort. That's end of story. It's as simple as that. I mean, what else could they be? That that's the best explanation we have. It, you know, it's not it, it's not natural phenomena. Natural phenomena doesn't uh, show intelligence. It doesn't stop and follow you and, and 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 run rings around you and then disappear. Like no, no, that's not natural phenomena. It's not. It wasn't na- Nazi technology. It couldn't have been. Nazis didn't have that that kind of thing. Nobody, no human. We still don't have that kind of technology. So you know, all these people weren't lying. You know, so obviously, well, it, it was real. These objects were real. People during the World War II saw them on a regular basis. It seemed over many different events over the years, over the course from 1942 through 1945, saw these objects. They were alien. They're extraterrestrial nature. What they were doing, that's anybody's. I'm not, I, I don't know what the answer is to that, but the, that's what they were. There's no question about it. They were extraterrestrial. It's sim- simple as that. Now, now let's just move on. Foo Fighters are extraterrestrial. Now let's just move on. I mean, that, see, that's the problem with the when you when we talk about certain things, right? This is what drives me nuts. Well, we don't know what they are, you know. We don't know what they are. No, no, we know what they were. These objects, tons of people saw them during World War II. These little objects flying around, right? Some sort of orbs, right? Tons of people saw them. Tons of uh, people who were fighting in the war saw them. Fl- lots of lot of flyers and and the uh, uh, plane personnel saw these things, following the things. So. They were obviously showing some sort of intelligence, these objects. So obviously they were controlled by somebody. Human beings, we don't have that kind of technology. We still don't. So there's only one answer. It's extraterrestrial. It's an extraterrestrial intelligence. End of story. Let's move on. Let's just accept that. I mean, it's common sense. It's common sense. It's extraterrestrial. Anyway, uh, continuing with this. Um Reports of Foo Fighter encounters aren't compelling, but leave plenty of scope for argument and debate over their veracity, origin, and purpose. Fast forward to April 2021, and a quick read through postings on UFO Twitter tells me that nothing has changed in this respect. UAP remain unidentified, and people continue to argue over what they represent. Well, they represent alien beings. They, they, have, they represent an alien presence. That's the end of the story. There's, and and here, here's the story. UAP, flying saucers, not everything now, but the ones that uh, defy the kind of physics that we know. Uh, the ones that uh, uh, that do things that our technology is unable to do. Those objects are controlled by extraterrestrial beings. That's the answer. It's as simple as that. It's right in front of your face. There's, It's, it's common sense. If and when the current state of UAP sightings is explained to the satisfaction of most commentators and onlookers, perhaps the information we receive will help us understand historical encounters such as the Foo Fighters, Roswell, and Socorro. Well, I'll help you understand it right now. It was aliens. There was aliens that crashed in Roswell. I did the research, so I know this for a fact. Socorro, I mean, obviously, it was an alien craft. I mean, that uh, what Lonnie Zamora saw in Socorro in 1964 it was an alien craft. That's what it was. There's no other explanation. There was little beings there. Their, their feet were tiny. There was footprints left in the ground. Uh, there was evidence that was left behind. There was vegetation that was burned. The, the imprints in the ground from the, from the landing legs was there. Uh, Project Blue Book looked into it. They didn't have an explanation for it. Lonnie Zamora wasn't lying, right? And he saw little men, little men that, you know, obviously, you know, he saw them from a distance. Now, he, he never 
said that they looked like aliens, but he was pretty far away. But they were like little kids. Little kids ain't operating a, a an object that a, an egg shaped object that flies around in the sky, right? And and makes no sound while it's flying around, right? So it was obviously it's extraterrestrials. That's the that's the answer. There's no. What are we arguing about? The, see the whole story here. I mean, it's not just Foo Fighters. When you think about everything and co- when you put everything in the context, it's not just Foo Fighters. It's everything. We're talking about everything here, right? The whole the 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 the, the problem here is that uh, the story. Here's what the story is: there's an extraterrestrial presence on Earth, but yet there's a big chunk of of the population that just can't accept that. They don't believe it. So even this guy, he's basically talking out of both sides of his mouth in a way. Oh, he's skeptical. It could be fakes. Could be this. No, no. Okay, let's pretend all the pictures are fakes or phonies or or you know something mundane. But that still doesn't explain all the. Uh, witness reports that you're talking about here you know all the people that saw these things so so what about the you know the testimony were they all just making it up were they drunk while they were fighting the war is that what it is were they flying around drunk while they're fighting world war ii hey pass that bottle back here butch i want to take another i want to drink half i want to chug half that bottle of vodka before we go flying over uh before we go flying over berlin no i don't think that's the case i don't think that's the case so that, that like you have to you have to look at everything and and, and you, you make a decision like like there's no decision here like at the end of this you, you looked into this you have all these cases but at the end of it and again I think this article is great I think this research that this that this person did was is fantastic I I like the debrief they have a lot of good articles about UAP I, I think it's great I mean I've talked I, there's a number of articles that I uh, uh, get information from on here and this is a great article on that but at the same time the conclusion at the end of it is like well we don't know what it is or no no we do know what it is there's no question about it it's extraterrestrial it has to be it's the only answer nothing else makes any sense anyway i'm going to read the final couple sentences here one could argue that the foo fighters are still with with us they might have changed their shape and name but they are still the same elusive phenomenon that has baffled military personnel who have confronted them in the skies for almost 80 years uh yeah, they are baffling. Yeah, we don't know what their purpose is for, for the most part, uh, but uh, they're real and they're here and they're extraterrestrial. That's it's not. There's nothing. No, really. There's there's. I don't know why we're still trying to figure out. Well, well, well you need more proof. No, what more proof do you need? I mean, we're talking eighty years here. You know, you know. Actually, you know, we talk about. I always say nineteen forty-seven because that was when it really started, right? But before that, that there was a, a you know a, an introduction you know you know a preface to this. I mean, of course, the preface goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm sure that there were objects here, visit things coming here to this planet beforehand, visiting and and up to something before uh, the 40s. Okay, but uh, you know we always pretty much talk about the last 75 years as pretty much the cover up. I don't think when the Foo Fighter business was going on, I don't think any, anybody in the you know, militaries of the world really were, you know, thinking about that at the time. We were trying to, you know, stop the world from getting taken over by the Nazis and the Japanese. I mean, that's basically what everyone was worried about. Uh, and then a couple of years after the war ends, you know, all of a sudden everyone's noticing, hey, there's these flying saucers all over the place. What, what are they? What's going on? But anyway, it's extraterrestrial. That's the, that's the answer. 
I mean, we're we're like playing a lot of a lot of us are playing games. The story here, the story of everything, the story of flying saucers and alien visitation is that, in the in, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, people are going to look back at this time and going to say, yeah, well, how early on a lot of people just couldn't accept it. They didn't want to believe it, even though the evidence was right there in front of their face. How did they? How could they not see this? How could they not realize that there's an extraterrestrial presence there? Obviously, these objects were way more advanced than anything humans had back then. So. How come they couldn't accept it? And yet there was other people out there trying to tell them, hey, open your eyes already. But yeah, um, that's the story of the Foo Fighters. They were actually extraterrestrial probes of some sort. Who knows what they were doing? Uh, but it was obvious. There's no question about it. It was, you know, they were controlled by alien beings and they were interested in our flying machines at that time and probably interested in what was happening with the war that we were fighting. I mean, who knows? That's all speculation, that part, right? However, they were there. A lot of people saw them. Hundreds of people saw them. There was reports. There were reports. And it's extraterrestrial. End of story. Uh, there's nothing here to, you know, wonder about. That's what it is, period. Period.